to another Ketamine Wellness Centers podcast episode. My name is Kevin Nicholson, CEO of Ketamine Wellness Centers, and today we have a very special guest who is also a patient of ours, and his name's Andy. Thank you, Andy, and welcome to the KWC podcast. At Ketamine Wellness Centers, we have patients who come to us from all walks of life, and today we wanted to share Andy's story. So again, Andy, thank you again for coming in and sharing your information with us and, and speaking to either current patients who are going through this and maybe giving them some suggestions on how they're dealing with this or potential patients that are considering ketamine as a option. So thank you. At Ketamine Wellness Centers, we've known you for quite some time. So for our listeners, can you let us know a little bit more about you? and tell us a little bit more about your yourself, kind of the beginning of your journey and what led you to us. Well, I'm real grateful for Ketamine Wellness Center. It's helped me tremendously. Um, I've had depression for a lot of years. It started when I was in third grade, so I was probably eight years old. And I'm, I'm in my early 60s now, so it's been a long time. How did you know? Like, it's so interesting. You, we're starting to see more patients at younger ages mm -hmm. and you know it's startling to hear of patients under the age of 12 that are already on one or two or even more antidepressants and try different things but what how did you know at the age of eight that well I didn't know it back then but I know it now I know by my my, my, my by my behavior okay I tried to keep to myself sometimes sometimes I could not play gotcha and other times I could so Gotcha. So it was similar to like a social isolation yes. and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. As you got older, what did you? What type of symptoms did you experience? What became more noticeable? Just depression. Right. Right. And that really affected my schooling because I could read the book and I wouldn't have a clue what I read. Okay. Okay. So I didn't do well in school and actually dropped out when I was sixteen. Oh really? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And what did, uh, you know, if you can, can you, can, you know, people talk about dis depression as kind of a, uh, a blanket statement. Mm -hmm. And some people just think of it as being sad. You know, myself, I've never, that I'm aware of, dealt with true clinical depression. Mm -hmm. um, but what do those symptoms feel like, if you could describe it to somebody? Well, you become obsessed. You, um, you don't want to live anymore. So you're obviously thinking about ways to commit suicide. Right. And it becomes an obsession. Right. And I've heard patients describe it over the years that it feels like a heavy blanket, that there's really no highs, there's really no lows, mm -hmm. it's just very muted. It's that, very dull. Very dull. Very dull. That normal things that people would experience some kind of emotional response, yeah. either joy or sadness or anger or whatever is just kind of it's dull dulled out yeah. interesting and, and did you identify that even at the age of eight yes wow mm -hmm. okay right um what kind of barriers did you run into in regards to dealing with your mental health and your depression symptoms um i can't say i ran into a lot of barriers but i ran into um a lot i got a lot of help from psychiatrists social workers but it never really helped Gotcha. You know, so you had access yes. to healthcare. You had access to mental health providers yes. and different people who had tried different I've techniques. Tried many different medications. Many, sure. many. Sure. 
And what was the what was the turning point? What when did you what brought you to ketamine wellness centers? It came across my radar screen some years ago on the internet. Hmm. Thanks to our marketing team, of course. No, it wasn't your, it wasn't your team. It was before you came here, I think. Okay, okay. I just was starting to hear about it, and I was very interested and couldn't find anywhere that did it. Gotcha, gotcha. And what kind of um, research, because obviously you had gone through other treatments that hadn't been effective. Yes. What kind of research did you do before engaging into ketamine therapy? Well, before the internet, believe it or not, there's a book called the DSM-3, uh-huh. and I read it cover to cover in the library many times. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dull read. <laughs> that can be tough reading. It was. Yeah, yeah. But I guess if you have symptoms that you're dealing with and you can identify with yeah. it, you know, that makes sense. I was looking for the magic bullet. I wanted to be cured. I didn't want to deal with it anymore. So is that where you heard about ketamine? You heard about ketamine on the I internet. heard about ketamine on the internet. But was there was there any kind of dialogue about ketamine treatments in the DSM? Not the one that okay. I saw. Right, right. I don't think they're... Uh, I may be wrong, but mm-hmm. I don't believe. I think they're on version 5, and I think there's still a lack of information out there mm-hmm. about it. I just heard real good things about it, so I obviously wanted to try it. Gotcha. And do you hear the good things about it <clears throat> on the internet? Is that where yes. you kind of did? And the hard part for a lot of patients, I think, sometimes is that there's a lot of conflicting information on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's positive things. There's negative things. There's things when ketamine's being used as a recreational drug. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of information out there that can be good and bad mm-hmm. about ketamine, depending on where you fit into that spectrum. Um, we, uh, we, a lot of times, try to recommend patients to go to PubMed.gov now, you know, which is the kind of the leading um, research uh, website for people to research different medications, even beyond ketamine therapy and so forth, because it's not as biased as some of the yeah. information that you can find on the internet. Okay. Good Everything I read was pretty positive. I was on Medscape a lot. And gotcha. A lot of studies showed a lot of promise, and I wanted to try it. Right, right. Yeah, the challenge has always been from the skeptics is that there's not any long-term studies. Mm-hmm. And because we know there's no money in, in the big pharma world of yeah. ketamine in its current form, so it has to be reformulated for it to be to be patented as a new new drug and be able to put forward. So, so yeah, that is quite the challenge. And the other issue with the skeptics is that there's no consistency or the or the uh, the um, protocols are very small. But you know, we've we're a little biased ourselves. We've been doing this for mm-hmm. about eight years and about twelve thousand infusions. Yeah. So we've got a we've got a good book of business as well as a good volume of patients that, that was we never can skeptical. show. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of that, you know, so tell us a little bit about you know your first stabilization treatments. And I, I know we talked about this previously, but I was fortunate to be one yeah. of the people who was yeah. first with you when you came in, and. Um, you were kind of quiet, like, you know, you appear to be on our podcast currently. And then you went through the treatment and you had a good time. Yes. I, <laughs> I, I laughed continually. Yeah. It was 
I just laughed. Yeah, yeah. And I remember my nurse came in and said, you know, to me, said, you know, you may need to come in and talk to this gentleman. And, and you're still kind of just coming out of the, the, the effects. And you had the biggest grin on your face. Yes. And you were just in elation, you know. But I don't think it was that for, after that first treatment that you noticed no. the depression was gone. No, my right? first treatment, I went home and everything was normal and that meant depression again. Right, right. But if I, my memory serves me, it was within your first four stabilization treatments. It was after my, the day after my second stabilization That's treatment, I woke up and I said to my wife, it's gone. And she said, what's gone? I said, the depression's gone. Right. She couldn't believe it, but I knew it was gone. So. Right, right. Yeah, I remember getting that phone call, you know, yeah. that you left us a message, mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, geez, you know, uh, Andy's calling in. He's had some side effects that we need to deal with, or he may not be happy that's, uh, with something. And, mm -hmm. and it still gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Every time we get those phone calls, and we just love it because yeah. we know people like you who've been struggling for so many years from the age of eight, finally find that relief. It's like, I can't even imagine how I mean, it wasn't partially was. gone. It was gone, right. gone, gone. Right. Like, like it never had been there. Right. Now, in regards to your treatments, you know, you've, uh, unlike some of our patients, because some patients do um, not enjoy the dissociative mm -hmm. component to the treatment. They do sometimes struggle with some nausea or headache post-treatments and those kind of things. But you've never had any of those real difficulties. No, I get no side effects at right, all. Right. And I actually like the disassociative effect yeah. of the ketamine. Right. And afterwards, have you ever had any ongoing medical problems or any issues with your liver or your kidneys or any cognitive issues None that whatsoever. you've ever been informed no. of? And that's the biggest concern, I think, from the psychiatric community is, again, that long-term effects of what is it doing to the liver, what is it doing to the kidneys and those kind of things. But I, I took handfuls of antidepressants that were, could have done the same thing and probably did. Well heck Tylenol. Tylenol's metabolizing yeah. your liver and excreting through your kidneys and it's tough on yes. the liver and people have no issue. But granted there's a lot more research mm -hmm. out there about Tylenol. It's been around for a long time. But um, is there anything that you do on the day of treatment that helps you get the optimal outcome? Do you try to get to bed earlier? Do you hydrate real well? Is there anything particular that Andy likes to do to make the treatment the best? The only thing that I do, I try to get here a little bit early. I don't want to be rushed. Gotcha. Because that seems to affect the treatment. Yes. Yeah, and we've noticed that, that patients who seem to be in a stressed state yes. getting here, whether or not it's car, you know, car troubles or running into issues with traffic or something, if they can avoid those those stressors prior to and they're in a much more relaxed state, mm -hmm. the ketamine treatment seems to be a, a more comfortable experience for them. Mm -hmm. You concur? Yes. Okay. Right. Is there anything you like to do or that is helpful after the treatments? Um, actually, no. I usually get them on Wednesdays, and I'm off work that day, so that works out well. Nice. Um, I really don't do much of anything. Yeah, I've had a couple of patients who have noticed heightened sensations of taste, so a, a really good cheeseburger afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't really fall into our wellness no. plan, those yeah. kind of things, unless you're going to do it without the bun or something like that. So, um, 
Let's dive a little bit into the maintenance process. Why is maintenance such a critical component of the overall health and wellness? You know, what do you do to stay balanced? Well, as far as ketamine goes, I try to get here about once every six weeks. Okay. Yep. That's that's a good plan. Do you find that sometimes your symptoms return prior to those six weeks, or does it usually hold you and you come in kind of balanced? Or Generally, it holds. Sometimes it doesn't, though. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Have you ever, and I don't know, have you ever had to do a couple of infusions closer to kind of restabilize, or have you ever done a prolonged infusion to try to, if you went felt like you went too long? Yes, I've done the prolonged. Yeah. It always took the depression away. Gotcha, gotcha. And that's what we try to do, obviously, as we've matured as a company and realized that not everybody's going to react the same way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's different stressors. Sometimes there's different things that can occur that sometimes you need to modify the patient's treatment plan. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where some of our competitors don't always meet the same standards as what we're looking for. You know, you gotta, you know, it's, it's foolish to think that 50 milligrams of lisinopril mm -hmm. is going to work the same for every patient. You have to manipulate and modulate that treatment to mm -hmm. the optimal outcome to that patient. And I think that the same thing goes for ketamine yeah. as well. Can you compare the quality of your life before the treatment and after and what activities are you involved in now that you weren't able to do before? I go to church. Huh? And for 20 years, I wouldn't step foot in a church. I wanted to, but I didn't. Right. But now that I'm well, I go to church, and that helps me the most. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, and I know that's one of the questions on our depression inventory is yes. how often do you attend your house of worship and so forth. And, and obviously that's improved for you. Yes. And that's, you know, a big component of, we recognize ketamine as one part of a three-legged stool. You know, we look at it as the kind of the building block to allow patients to start to feel and to be able to have the energy to participate in their lives. But it's not the only thing that no. they need to do. Mm -hmm. They need to get psychological support, spiritual counseling, you know, somebody who can work with them through their emotions and help them work on their bad days and how to learn coping yeah. strategies because we all have bad days, but patients with depression, those bad days can really lead into bad very years. bad days. Yes, exactly. <laughs> call bad years. <laughs> exactly. As well as, as wellness, as well as, you know, exercise and diet and those kind of things. And one of the things that we had talked about previously is that, um, the wellness part is tough, you know, yes. but you're doing some good spiritual wellness and those things, and mm -hmm. congratulations for that. But in regards to physical activities and stuff, have you been able to get in it, get started on doing some of those? Those I have, but not consistently. Right, mm -hmm. right. And, and, you know, I don't have depression. Mm -hmm. And as I was sharing with you before we started the podcast, you know, my wife and I have been trying to walk five times a day a week mm -hmm. and it's Wednesday and we haven't walked once this week. So, yeah. um, you know, we recognize there's a commitment to that and so forth, but good for you for recognizing that. And, and you got out today, Yes. you know, and Arizona's starting to get some lovely weather. Yes. So now we can do it without having to put 50 sunblock on yeah. to be able to go out for a walk or walk in the dark. So that's great. Um, is there anything else that you can think of that, 
you would like to either tell somebody who is skeptical or concerned or scared about getting this treatment um, that may help them pick up that phone to at least find out some more information? Well, I actually enjoy the treatment, so right. I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I need to find somebody who went through this and went, ooh, yeah. but it worked. Yeah. And that's the hard part. That's, that's the part I like the most, that it works. Right, right. Well, good for you. Good for you. What does the future have in store for Mr. Andy? I don't know yet, but it's positive. <laughs> good for you, man. It's not negative. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy. I do appreciate you, know, you coming back and, and speaking with us again and, and going through this and sharing your, your experience. You know, you're very courageous for doing so. Thanks, so we do We do appreciate that. To our listeners and Andy, thank you so much for joining us for another KWC podcast. There is hope and there is help. So if you're interested in our treatment programs or have any questions, feel free to contact us at 855-KET. W-E-L-L, or 855-KET-WELL, or email us at ketaminewellnesscenters.com. Lastly, please don't forget to subscribe to Ketamine Wellness Centers on your favorite podcast app, and if you could rate us and review us on iTunes, that would be wonderful. Thanks again, Andy. Thank you.